Welcome back. Hello. It's one year. It's Oh, yeah. It's one year. I keep forgetting. Yesterday was our <laughs> one year anniversary. It's now Wednesday. We are recording on Wednesday. Yeah. So it's one day past. We are one year old. One year old. It's so funny. I was looking at gifts to send you for our anniversary. But when you type in anniversary, it's all romantic <laughs> stuff. I forgot that it would be more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Less romantic. It would be more podversary gifts. Yeah. I was like, this is not the correct term to search. So then I had to just go into like celebrate. Or Friendship. It was all like <laughs> smooching, <laughs> little cartoons, kissing each other. And I was like, well, I mean. I can't wait for you to see the card I got you. You got me a card? I got you a Now card. I look dumb. I didn't get you anything. <laughs> that's okay but i already got you your birthday gift which is coming up soon i know it is this is also a two girls one ghost podcast oh yeah sorry this is two girls one ghost two girls one ghost it's one year and we still don't know how to do an intro does anyone though do you ever really listen to one of the podcasts that that is this style and they do it correctly i don't think so no the ones that are more planned those work out but there's a lot of editing done they have a script these ones just are all over the place this is sabrina and corinne raw (laughs) this is just us and this is what you're getting and you know what you don't even pay for it so yeah it's free so you know if you don't like it just move on or pay us on patreon and then we'll step up our game (laughs) (laughs) if that were the case we would have stepped up a long time ago (laughs) I do spend more time on my research. I know, me too. I spent like hours on my research last night. Me too. I actually, my mom is visiting me in Boston right now because she's helping me pack up because I'm moving mm-hmm. in Very two weeks. Soon. Very soon. And for part of my research, I had to watch like an hour long TV episode that oh about gosh. the place just to make sure I had all the little details correct. And so she had to watch it with me. And we were both just like drinking wine on the couch, cowering, being like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. That sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm excited for this episode. Our me anniversary too. episode. I can't believe it's been a year. It's so crazy how fast time goes. It makes me think it's... It's always weird reflecting on a year because I get panicky after a year ends. You know, every every New Year's, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it went by too quickly. I didn't do all the things that I wanted to do. But then when you actually reflect back, you get so much done in a year. So it's kind of yeah. like it's back and forth. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't have much time. Time is running out. Like everything's going way too quickly for me. But then when I'm you dying. Actually think about, I'm dying. <laughs> every day I'm dying. When you think about the things that you actually accomplish, it's a lot. Like people yeah. moving into a new apartment or house is an accomplishment. Finishing a class is an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Even going to get your haircut. Like I get my haircut once a year and that's a really big step. Same. So yeah, that's an accomplishment. Brushing your teeth is an accomplishment. I just went to the dentist yesterday. Ugh, I have going in October. I love the dentist. Other people do not. What? I love getting my teeth cleaned. Do you not? So growing up, I loved it because my uncle was my dentist, but now I'm not. I'm not a huge fan. And I feel like when you're when you change doctors in whatever field it is, it's hard to adjust because you're so used to the way your last doctor was. I I don't really have that issue, but I think it's also because I just didn't starting in college, I just kind of went to like the doctor at school or whoever. I just don't go to the doctor. Oh, I live there. I need <laughs> I need one of those punch cards where it's like the 10th time is free. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I have like a weird itch and I go and I'm like, I'm dying, I think. But MD told me so. Something's so. wrong. <laughs> Urgent care gets a whole lot of money out of me. I'm always there. <laughs> so we have a couple a couple things just to say in terms of our Facebook group, because recently, and this is a good time because it's our anniversary to talk about the different spinoff groups that we have. Uh-huh. So not only do we have our Facebook group that you can join, which is just basically a, a place where you can share your stories, post funny memes, uh, get in conversations about new movies or whatever that's coming out, but you can also join our spinoff groups. There is a Two Girls, One Ghost podcast book club, mm-hmm. and the admin is Morgan. So if you search Two Girls, One Ghost I actually linked club, them all up in our regular group as well. Look at that. You did that. Mm-hmm. So that's the Facebook group. There's also a goodreads.com, TGOG podcast book club covered by Emily. And then there is a Los Angeles-based TGOG fan meetup page, and the admin is Crystal, who's also the admin for our uh, main page. Yeah. And if you're in the LA area, join that one because I think they actually just did or they are going to do a meetup. They're going on a... The Queen Mary. Yeah. (gasps) So cool. And then we also have a Two Girls, One Coven. It's so exciting. This happened last week and it was probably the coolest thing in the world. Yes. Sarah is the admin. Sarah is always trying to get us to use a Ouija board (laughs) with her and we always say no. Um, But she created Two Girls, One Coven and it's really cool and there's already so many people in the group so many basically a place for people who are practicing witches or Or into witchcraft and you know everyone has different beliefs and practices in different ways but they all come together and share on this page it's super cool did you ever imagine a year ago that we would have a coven no but i'm so happy but i also feel like i'm not the right person because i don't know enough so i'm like how did this happen to me this is magical (laughs) but we'll learn and that's what's cool about this podcast is that we've learned so much yeah we're one step closer to being like actual residents of halloween town now that we have a coven i feel like that's close i thought you were gonna say you're actually one step closer to being ghosts and i was like well we are every 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 day day, you're a step closer to being dead kind of true if you want to look at it that way I'll be a great ghost one day. I have a ghost in my apartment, which you know. Oh, my God. How did we not talk about this first? I I don't know, because I just haven't really talked about it since. This is so crazy. So we were FaceTiming. So Sabrina witnessed this. This wasn't me just being like, oh, my gosh. Because we had just finished recording last week's episode, which was the Wiki Wild West episode. Wiki Wiki West. Yes. Will Smith. And then... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're avoiding talking about it because i still get a little nervous my mom told me i need to calm down but um we were facetiming and the tv turned on and i just kind of like looked shocked shocked and that has never ever happened before, and the remote so not- was nowhere near you no sabrina was like well did you bump the remote and i just like slowly turned the <laughs> facetime so she could see where the remote was sitting and it was like not obstructed by anything it was very clearly face up with nothing else around it. Yep. And I was like, well, I guess I'm watching TV with the ghost. And the night before, I had seen someone walk through the kitchen, but I was like, just ignore it, just ignore it. You did? And then tell me that. Well, because, well, I've been seeing a lot in the kitchen recently, but I just kind of, I go with the mentality of like, if you look at them, they'll show up more. But if you ignore them, they might be like, well, okay, I guess she doesn't care and move on. So I've just been trying to ignore the ghosts. <laughs> oh, which I guess was the wrong move because the ghost was like, I'm here. Turned on Pay the TV and then me. 
Or your mom even brought this up. Or is the ghost aware that you don't like to be alone and turn the TV on to help you? Well, okay, so that's what she thinks because I moved into the kitchen as soon as we got off the phone Mm -hmm. and called my mom because I was like, there's a ghost in my house. And as we were talking, I saw in the reflection of the oven door, two feet walk by, like a quick like doot, doot, doot. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> it followed me. <laughs> so I was telling my mom and I was like, I'm so scared. Like, nah, 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 there's a ghost here. And she tell, she told me what she always says. She was like, well, did it harm you? And I said, no. She said, <laughs> did you feel scared before it made itself obvious, before yeah, it announced itself? And I said, physically. Yeah. I said, no. She's like, well, then why are you scared? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the question of ghosts, isn't it? It's like more, it's not all of them are actually bad or ill-intentioned. It's just that we right. uh, aren't used to seeing things that aren't of our realm. Yeah. And my roommate has not been here the past weeks and I don't like living alone. Like I like, I like having my own space and I like being alone, but at night I don't like being alone. Mm. And my mom thinks that the ghost caught on and was like, well, she doesn't like being alone. So I'll just let her know in a very benign way by turning on the television that she's not alone and that I'm here with her. And then I think once I got so spooked from it, the ghost knew like, maybe I should just not do that. (laughs) So I wonder if this is the ghost that has been interfering with our podcast for the past year. Can I just say the amount of people who have been messaging us about glitches and weird technology related things happening to them while they're listening to our podcast uh-huh. has exponentially increased recently. I think once we mentioned it on the podcast, people were like, oh, me too. Yeah. Even my mom, it happened to really? her. Yeah. It was right after. And it always seems to be right after something is said. Oh, and now you cut out, Mr. Ghost. Can we chill? As we're talking about glitches, a glitch happened in our audio. Oh. I just said like after certain words or during spooky episodes. I don't remember what it was, but basically one of us said something weird and then my mom's phone just started freaking out and I think it like went to a different episode or rewound or something. So weird. Happens all the time. And it's going to continue to happen in year two. We're the most haunted podcast in America. We've said it before and we'll say it again. We are. Very spooky. Very spooky. Speaking of very haunted, the most haunted things, we decided in the, honor, what goes in line with our most haunted podcast yes, in America. In is, honor of our one year of being the most haunted podcast in America, as claimed by ourselves. <laughs> A title given to us by, by us. us. <laughs> we decided to do most haunted as a theme this week meaning pretty much a free-for-all most yeah. haunted places in the world we both got to choose most haunted just most haunted it could be most haunted person most haunted tree most haunted city most haunted anything family whatever so i chose to do reminiscent of our very 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 first episode we ever did i chose to do the most haunted hotel in america Well, actually, I can't. There was no like verification that that claim is true, but it is definitely and was voted the most haunted hotel in Illinois in October of 2017. Okay, well, you can give it the title for 2018. I chose the Congress Hotel in Chicago. I've heard about this hotel. You you have. It is intense. It's ghosts, murder, mystery. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, so in order to 
tell the story of the Congress Hotel, we have to start back at 9 p.m. on October 8th, 1871. 1871, that's a a long time ago. It's a pretty long time ago. It's 9 p.m., you know, bedtime in Chicago. People are getting ready for bed. And all of a sudden, in a small barn at the end of the town, a cow knocked over a lantern. The lantern crashed to the ground and a fire sparked. It is now known as the Great Fire of Chicago, and it burned over 2,000 acres, taking the lives of up to 300 people. That's so crazy. Yeah. That's so many people. Yeah. And I'm not sure. There were multiple versions. They don't actually know how the fire started, but legend says that a cow knocked over a lantern, and I really enjoyed that. So I bet that is what happened. uh, Yeah. And also, cows produce a lot of CO2. So basically, if the candle knocked over, or even if it didn't knock over, if he just maybe farted near the candle, (laughs) it would blow the flames and start a fire. That's that's how cows start fires. (laughs) These are facts. These are facts. This is science. So, yes, the city was destroyed. And (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't laugh. That's not funny. Serious. I enjoy farting jokes. Um, (laughs) Okay. So Chicago was kind of in dismay for a while, but they rebuilt the city. And fast forward to 1893, when Chicago was given the honor of hosting the World Columbian Exposition, which was the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus's arrival in the New World. You might now know it as the World Fair, but it was originally called World Columbus Exposition. Wait, the World Fair. Is that where the Ferris wheel was that was haunted with the little boy? Or am I just making that up? I don't remember. Oh, you know what I'm thinking of? (laughs) Never mind. What were you thinking of? I'm pretty sure they go back to the World Fair in Chicago in the book Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I think that's what I was thinking of. Oh, my gosh. I love when books bleed into real life and you don't don't know what's real and what's I confuse fiction with reality. That's what's great about books is that they take you out of this world. Shout out to our book club. Yeah, so Chicago was given the honor to host the World's Fair, and it was their opportunity to show the world that it had risen from the ashes like a phoenix from Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be our anniversary episode if Sabrina didn't somehow connect it back to Harry Potter. I'm very subtly going to make a lot of connections to previous episodes and harry potter (laughs) i'm kidding that's my only harry potter reference shocker i know i'm sure you'll find another place to slip one in oh give me the chance and i'll do it okay so in prep for the world's fair the congress hotel was built it was an 11-story building originally called the auditorium annex as it was connected to an auditorium theater across the street by a marble lined underground passage called peacock alley It was a beautiful hotel that featured cobbled streets, gas lights, and horse-drawn carriages, and it opened for business in 1893 in order to host and house many of the visitors of the World's Fair, and it lasted from May 1st, 1893 until October 30th, 1893. The city had planned everything. It was supposed to be perfect, but what they did not prepare for was an evil man. (laughs) Evil man. Evil. Are we in an Austin Powers movie? Is this what it feels like? <laughs> yes, we are. Welcome to my Austin Powers screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> so you might know this man as the devil in the white city. You might also know him as Dr. H.H. H. Holmes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah, I do. 
Heck yeah, you do. And if you don't, I cannot be friends with you, so get out. <laughs> wow, good thing I said yes. This <laughs> ended our podcast. My sarcasm will one day get the worst of me. Holmes owned a property just down the road from Congress Hotel. And this property was no ordinary property because he constructed it himself. And Mm -hmm. well, actually, Mm -hmm. he hired people, but then he would fire them and never pay them. But he designed it himself, I guess. It had labyrinths of narrow winding passages that opened to brick walls, hidden stairways, concealed doors, blind hallways, hidden passageways, a gas chamber, and chutes that went directly into the basement, which was a chamber of death with torture devices. I was just about to say, a death shoot. Yes. Holmes was building a murder castle. And uh, who was he going to murder? You may ask. Everyone. Everyone. Every (laughs) every single person. Uh, When the World Fair began, he was like, oh, light bulb. This is a great place to find victims. So he went and found uh, the Congress Hotel and made those his stomping grounds. He would walk in the lobby of the Congress Hotel and approach young women looking for work. And he was a charming, handsome man. So uh, you'd like to think that you would be able to spot a serial killer, but you wouldn't. No, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy taught us that. Anytime someone's like, but he's nice, but he's cute. I'm like, so was Ted Bundy. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of women went missing during the World's Fair. Uh, most of them have never been found because he would lure these women back to his murder castle and kill them. And he's assumed to have killed 200 people, although he only confessed to killing 27 and only nine of those could be confirmed. I'm sure it was more than just those nine. Oh, 100%. Because there are so many people, countless numbers of people who disappeared. He had also killed people before he owned the murder castle. And he had a crematorium in the castle so he burnt people people's bones and bodies so that they couldn't find them how can you get away with that it just seems i know i'm speculating but it kind of seems like you could have gotten away with anything 150 years ago you he straight up built could. a death castle and it was like hear ye hear ye come into my castle and you'll never come out and it's like no one said anything and no one said anything well i mean eventually they did because he was convicted of murder and um sentenced to death yeah, like but 30 it took a long later. time. Yeah. So yeah, he was sentenced to death. Sentenced, sentenced to death. It wouldn't be a year episode if I can't say words correctly. <laughs> it's weird though because people still see him in the Congress Hotel. So it seems like his ghost is still on a murdering spree. Not really. It's not actually killing people, but it wants. To, he wants to because he does approach people in the hotel and. People will see him walk towards them, and then all of a sudden he'll disappear. Other people have reported hearing him speaking, but it's not quite clear what he's saying. So he's still – he's seen often in the lobby of the Congress Hotel, and he isn't the only murderer to be seen in the Congress Hotel. There's more than one murderer in the Congress Hotel? Oh, yeah. This this hotel – I only knew about H.H. Holmes. What is happening? It's nuts. So you might know of a famous gangster named Al Capone. Heck yeah, we do. There's movies about him. Oh, yeah. He's one of the most infamous gangsters. And he ruled the city of Chicago in the 1920s. And although reports varied, he is reported to have had a suite on the eighth floor of the North Tower in the Congress Hotel. And some of his gang held a prisoner there once. Jeez. Al Capone was called from the Congress Hotel before and after the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And many people report seeing a man dressed in 1920s clothing. 
People believe it's Al Capone. And I theorize that this hotel is just a breeding ground for any dead murderers. Seriously, it sounds that way. Because there's one more murderer. What? Oh my God. <laughs> what did like, they seriously, do? This I is think... totally American horror story. Right? Hotel. They did this. All the murderers come together in a hotel and I think it was based, it must have been based off this hotel. It must be. I just imagine that there's a sign that only ghosts can see and it's like, murderers welcomed here. A little dinner party for the murderers. Yeah. I mean, murderers, I don't know. Do they like each other? Do they, they all need, get along? They need friends too. Yeah, I'm sure they swap stories and tactics. How else would they know and get away with all the murders? I don't know. Do you think they all stay for free? Dead murderers stay for free at the Congress Hotel. <laughs> well, yeah, probably. Because what are you going to tell a murderer that they need to pay up? No, you're going to be like, yeah, sure, stay here. Please <laughs> take all my rooms. Don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the third murderer is a possible murderer, but. His name is Peg Leg Johnny, and there are two theories on who it could possibly possibly be. The first is that it's a homeless man who was killed outside of the hotel who had a pegged leg. That's not what I thought, because honestly, it sounds like it sounds like a nickname of a frat guy, you know? Peg Leg Johnny. Dirty, like Big Dick John. <laughs> Very different from Peg Leg Johnny. Peg Leg Johnny! <laughs> But the other version of the or other theory of who this is, is the spirit of Conway, the one-legged killer clown, which is like, that is a serial killer name. Come on. Yeah. And that's a horrible image. Yes. Oh, yeah. Could also, you imagine waking up to a clown that's one-legged staring at you at, at night and then it stabs you? Like now the prosthetic legs and all of the new technology makes me think that it's easy to get around. But like actual peg legs, how did they move comfortably back in the day? It probably Enough was to very uncomfortable. be able to take over someone else. That was a bad time to lose a limb. I mean, it seems like he may do in a... Apparently. In his own special way. <laughs> um he actually escaped from prison in 1925 and was never seen again. Plus, the Congress Hotel is actually just down the road from where he committed a murder. So maybe he saw the murderer's stay free sign and decided to live in the hotel and in the afterlife. I don't know. Well, yeah, pretty nice hotel. There's the incentive. He has a lot of like-minded people there. Minds. Peg Leg Johnny has been seen lurking around the south tower of the hotel, and he's often associated with turning on and off lights or messing with appliances. Okay, and now on to the less murderous ghosts. There is a little boy, and he is presumed to be the ghost of Carl Langer, a six-year-old boy who was thrown out the window by his mother. Jeez, um... So this woman, Adele, and her two sons, Carl and Jan, were refugees from Prague in the 1930s. And Adele was so nervous and distraught by the fear of being sent back that she threw both of her children out the window and then followed and jumped out herself. Oh, my gosh. Wait, can I just say really quickly? Yeah. That our phones totally listen to us because I've been watching Orange is the New Black and there is a character in the show who killed her children. And at one point they say, scary mommy. And I to myself just out loud said, scary mommy and the next day on instagram it suggested that i follow the account called scary mommy our That's phones listen scary. to us oh well 100 percent. i've talked about needing like a couch or furniture in general and then the next thing i do when i look at my phone it's an ad for furniture yeah yesterday my mom said i smell ice cream and last night she got ads for ice cream like all through her instagram they're listening 
scary mommy. Always watching and listening. They know what you're doing at all times. I know what you did last summer. <laughs> Hopefully your FBI guy likes you and sends you good ads. Hey, nice FBI sales. guy. Should I just start flirting with him through the phone? <laughs> hey, how you doing? I'm so lonely. If only <laughs> I had someone to take me on a day. I really want ice cream, but I don't want to go alone. I hate looking at mirrors because I'm just too beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And now back to something sad. Yeah. Well, it seems as if Carl is the only spirit of those three who haunts the building. So I like to believe that Jan passed on peacefully and maybe is reincarnated as an alien in the afterlife. But that's more my dream. So... (laughs) I wish it for everyone, but also for me. Uh, Several security guards and employees at the hotel have felt as if they're being chased down the hall when they're up on the 12th floor. That's not a good feeling. No. And people say the 12th floor is like one of the most haunted floors in the entire hotel. There are boarded off doors and bolted doors from the out, like outside. They're bolted from the outside. I want to hear from the employees that work there. I want to hear their stories. Well, a lot of employees try to avoid the 12th floor because it's so scary, which is sad because it seems like you'd think you usually associate young children ghosts. Well, two associations. One, you associate young children ghosts with demonic entities that are mimicking children. Right. But this one, it seems like it is connected to this death and maybe the child is like angry or confused, which is emitting all this negative energy. Also, just you talking about like the little girl demonic entity reminds me, our friend Alex Traeger, who works for BuzzFeed Tasty, she's Mm -hmm. one of the Tasty producers. One of her friends that I believe also works at BuzzFeed is being haunted right now and Alex told me that they saw like a little girl and I was like, I wouldn't be so convinced that that was a little girl. It's not a little girl. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's oh, scary. Very creepy and definitely not a little kid. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe this isn't a little kid. I don't know. But the 12th floor, as I said, is terrifying. And there are rooms that are sealed off. Like, seriously, I looked at a photo. There's this one door that it looks like there's a door where it looks like there's supposed to be a door there but it's just a brown panel and there's no hinges or cracks but if you knock on it it's hollow like as if it's going into a room and if you knock on it it will knock back (gasps) what is in there and there's reports of an exorcism having happened at the congress hotel but whoa no one will admit to it so no one knows But do you think that maybe it happened in that room and that's why they boarded it up because there's something extremely evil in there? Yeah, but it's just so interesting to think that something can be trapped in one single room when it really has the power to go anywhere. It's like what happens that makes that spirit or entity choose or be trapped in one space? Walls that we as humans build. The other theory that I have, and this is probably wrong because... I can't imagine anyone would ever do this as a person, but they had an exorcism for a person, but they couldn't get the spirit out of the person. So they locked them in the room and boarded (gasps) up the wall. And then they have this like secret chamber that can bring food up to them, but they're possessed and they're just like alone in that room. Sabrina, if you're going to write a script, that should be the script. That is such a scary. Isn't that horrifying? The fact that it like it knocks back and like people have heard crazy screams and noises coming from rooms in that floor. Oh, I don't know. 
I think I'm onto something. I think you are. <laughs> it reminds me of that short story. I forget what it's called. Oh my God, sorry. I need to figure it out. I think it's called The Room. Oh, the yellow wallpaper, that one? <laughs> yes. It reminds me of yellow wallpaper, you know, mm -hmm. something being trapped or someone being trapped in a room. And then looking at the wallpaper. And well, the wallpaper is actually really interesting in the hotel because they're similar to doors being boarded up there's like doors that are just wallpapered over that's I so bizarre i feel like it's like american horror story where like the wallpaper pattern moves you know mm. so scary i really okay. want to go just walk through the halls during the day during the daytime just wait till i just wait for more of these ghosts because you might change your mind okay based on how many times i've told you stories and said let's go and you're like no 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 no, i can't go to that place <laughs> i think you're gonna say that to this one i'll change my mind yeah um okay so there's also a mystery hand and this is more of like folklore in the hotel but it's really cool because in 2006 a paranormal investigation group came across what looked like a fossilized hand reaching out of the wall Ooh. so it looks like this it's the hand from the adams family yeah kind of but it doesn't move <laughs> <laughs> but it actually it full-on looks like a hand with fingers and a thumb and it looks like it's reaching out and people believe this story is made up because the wall is actually not that thick but it is said that during the 1905 expansion a man was accidentally killed and sealed up inside the wall <gasps> oh how does that accidentally happen well, we've heard stories of that before or we've also heard stories where people are killed and then sealed up in the wall like murdered and then put in the wall because that's a good place to hide someone so we don't know what the thing is maybe it was just a construction worker with a funny sense of humor who filled like a rubber glove and then stuck it in the wall and then sealed the wall or maybe the serial killer did kill a human being and used the wall the construction to hide the body i don't know yeah there's the shadow guy who um this is where things get dark so one of the most oftenly reported spirits is the shadow guy or i would call him the shadow man because he terrifies people and he even chased a guard all the way up to the roof before whoa whoa can you imagine the heartbeat of that guard who was sprinting through the halls and up the stairs terrifying and i'm not sure going to the roof is such a good idea that you're right? pretty much trapped well, also, there are a high number of suicides at this hotel, and I wonder if the shadow figure is connected to them or if it is brought there because of this energy, but the idea of it chasing someone up to the roof makes me think that it was like chasing them to jump. Yeah. Wow. Which is horrifying. That's a horrible, horrible thought. Yeah. Because- the one theory is that the shadow figure is actually the spirit of this man named Captain Lou Ostheim, Ostheim, who was a Spanish-American war vet who shot himself in the hotel in 1900 after waking up from a horrifying nightmare. He was staying with his wife at the time they entered the hotel. They were very happy. They had just gotten married. And his wife said that he woke up in the middle of the night and could not calm himself and then shot himself. Whoa. So maybe it's not. Well, it could be him, but maybe that shadow thing has always been there and he that guy was captain whatever was the first victim was the first victim that's i mean that's what i was thinking and, and this hotel kind of reminds me of uh, the cecil hotel where there's just a high number of deaths and suicides completed in the building and makes you wonder if there's a connection to a darker entity that kind of puts these mm -hmm. bad thoughts in your mind or if people who have feelings of wanting to complete suicide or they go to that hotel because they've heard so many stories about it right right and i don't think there's any way of knowing but there are just so many stories there were in 1989 there were two marines staying in the hotel and they both awoke to a tall dark and handsome i'm just kidding tall dark shadow figure 
<laughs> Wish it was handsome, but it was slowly started to walk towards them. I think you froze. Corinne? You froze. As I was calling a shadow figure handsome. So yes, they both woke up to this tall, terrifying figure slowly walking towards their beds. And they both felt like it was staring at them intensely, meaning that this figure was staring at two people independent of each other at the same time. Ooh, that's so eerie. Yeah. That it can direct its attention and its energy at two separate people. people. Where do you yeah. think it goes kind of pug-eyed and one eyes on each person? I I feel like the way shadow figures are, like you almost don't always see their eyes, right? They sometimes just like seem like they're like black figures staring at you even though you can't right. see their eyes. Regardless, both of these men ran out of the room in their underwear terrified. They say that the most haunted room in the hotel is room 441 and guests will often call the front desk terrified reporting that the entire room was shaking. <laughs> Whoa. And there's also another shadow figure that is often seen lurking in the room. Some people are not sure. They say that it's the same shadow figure. Others people, Other people say it's a woman shadow figure who kicks people awake. And the legend says that there was a woman who found her husband cheating on her. And so she killed his mistress in the room. So it's the mistress, I believe, that would be in the room. But aside from kicking guests, she will move their objects around the room. A security officer once received a complaint about screams coming from the room, even though it was unoccupied. And when he approached the room, he heard the screams himself. He unlocked the door, entered the room. No one was there, but the carpet had been completely torn up and the water was running. Wow. It reminds me of that video that went around of the, I believe it's at a hotel. It's a security guard outside of a hotel room and you hear, it's kind of like the CCTV footage and you hear these sounds of a ruckus going on in the room and he's radioing back to his other security guards and then he yeah. goes in and then like things are thrown, but no one's in there. Yeah. Yes, he turns around and he runs. <laughs> yeah, he's so scared. Uh, okay, so then basically the whole hotel is haunted. It doesn't matter where you are, but the Florentine room is known for whispering women and humming men. There are phantom gunshots and apparently the ghost of Teddy Roosevelt as well. Wait, that's cool. Yeah, the piano will play by itself sometimes and then just people just get a general feeling of the creeps when they walk in. How many rooms are in this hotel? Because it sounds like each one is occupied by a ghost. Yeah, there are 871 rooms. Okay, so well, there are 871 few, ghosts. A few fewer ghosts, but still, still enough. Yeah. And it seems like they can roam around, like they're not stuck in one place because yeah. the gold room, which is less active, is known for peg leg ghosts to be roaming around. And the electronics will start on their own, even if they're unplugged. There was a celebrity chef, Pete Evans, who was so frightened during his stay at the hotel that he had to leave in the middle of the night because he said he felt so suddenly the room like got so cold and he felt like something was wrong and he tried to shake it off. But the energy and that feeling intensified, creating a tightness in the air. So he grabbed all of his bags and left and didn't even bother to check out because he was so scared. Oh, wow. See, that right there shows that it's a very haunted because if you don't yeah. stop to check out to be like i mean once you get out of your room you should feel better but if you feel like you need to leave the entire hotel that's saying something exactly and he's not the only person who have stayed at the hotel and had a horrible experience there are over 128 reviews that include the search term haunted and 97 terms that include the search term ghost on TripAdvisor, and 
Many of them say that you will immediately pick up on an unsettling energy upon entering the building and that there are weird sounds in the middle of the night and the distinct feeling of someone staring at you in the middle of the night. One man said that he, before they went to bed, his wife and his daughter heard a strange noise under the bed, but when they looked, there was nothing there. But as they were falling asleep, they heard loud knocking on their headboard. And like I said, there are a high number of deaths. So I'm just going to tell you a few of those. In 1904, an elevator operator plummeted to his death when the cable cam- came loose. Oh, worst fear, worst fear. Terrifying. You're actually not supposed to jump if the elevator goes down. You're not supposed to jump. That's a myth. You're supposed to just lay. Brace yourself. I think you're supposed to lay flat on the ground and you'll most likely break a ton of bones, but that's the least amount of impact that you can create I, on your Just body. think about that impact. I mean, it depends on what floor you drop from, but like it's just, it's such a heavy piece of machinery. Yeah. I never want to be above like the sixth floor because otherwise. Oh, so scary. You risk it. Just stay with your feet on level one. Says the girl who wants to go to Mars. <laughs> No, I'm saying that about you. I, oh. I want to be in space. You want to be on the ground. I love Earth. <laughs> in 1916, a husband and wife swallowed cyanide capsules as a part of a suicide pact in the hotel. The wife survived and was taken to the hospital where she completed su- suicide by jumping out of a third floor window. Dang. In 1926, the elevator malfunctioned again, killing a female guest. Then three people were poisoned between 1919 and 1920. And I'm not sure if this is connected to or independent of, but there was a deadly batch of moonshine that was shared between guests. And apparently that caused some horrible consequences to people's lives. I wonder what made it deadly. Yeah, I don't know if someone poisoned it themselves or if it just was manufactured poorly. I don't know. Yeah. I avoid moonshine at all costs. It just tastes very strong for me. (laughs) Okay, in 1928, a famous slogan writer, G.H. Palin, who actually came up with the phrase safety first, died in his hotel room of a heart attack. 1908, there was an attempted murder-suicide in the hotel lobby. In 1950, the security manager and credit manager went up to a guest room to collect money for an unpaid bill, and the man shot both of them and himself with a shotgun. In 1966, a lawyer was found strangled to death in his room. In 1970, a young woman was found with her wrist slit in the bathtub. And actually, a lot of guests will report seeing a young woman in their bathtub. That's weird. Like that would, I can't imagine walking into the restroom and seeing a woman in your tub. Right. I think the movie The Shining actually has a scene of a woman in a tub. He walks into a room and there's a woman in a tub. I think so. Something about the bathroom. Yeah. This hotel is just scary. But yeah, so like I said, they believe there's an exorcism that took place. And people are just freaked out by the hotel, guests and staff all alike. Oh, man, I just had such a New Jersey accent go out. What'd you say? I didn't even notice it. I said guests and staff. Staff? (laughs) Staff? Staff. However many spirits there are in the Congress Hotel, many guests will enter the hotel with cheery, good spirits, but then they leave in a sad or darker mood. So it's clear that there are some negative vibes that clearly rub off on the guests. And as I said, the hotel features 871 guest rooms. It has a ballroom and it actually is the host of the annual haunted Halloween ball every year. Wait, we have to go to that. I'm so shocked by your response, Corinne. Well, because I'm not going to spend the night there. I just want to go go for a okay. couple hours. 
Am I talking to Corinne or am I talking to a skinwalker or a doppelganger? I'm so confused by your response. The ghost that lives here took me over. <laughs> Changed me. The Corinne I know would never say yes to this. <laughs> I'm never going to stay overnight there. Hell okay. no. But half the things you're saying are happening either on the 12th floor or inside of rooms. That's so true. If I don't stay there. I'm not going inside of a room. I'm just walking around thinking about all the ghosts, maybe hearing some humming, a little piano playing, and I'm set. All right. Well, it actually it's October 27th and it's only $20 if you want to go. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Next year, Chicago. Well, for our listeners, if you are in Chicago or visiting Chicago in October, the Haunted Halloween Ball is on October 27th and tickets are only $20 right now, and if you are brave, and want to stay at the hotel, the rooms start at 139 for that weekend. And uh, it sounds like a great deal if you want to be attacked by scary ghosts. And then <laughs> you can actually request to stay in room 441 if you dare. Who does that? Zach Baggins. I'm sure Zach Baggins. Zach, oh, 100% Zach Baggins. <laughs> but if it's not, if you don't want to stay, Corinne, they also have ghost tours. Like, mo- I mean, Chicago is one of the most haunted places in america but super haunted super haunted so yeah if you guys do want to go just google ghost tours most of them or not most of them but a lot of them go to the congress hotel or you can just go uh to the hotel and do your own paranormal investigation on your own good luck i'm shocked at how many serial killers are there right it should be called murderer hotel dead murderers hotel seriously yeah it's 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 and it's not even like it's someone committed one murder these were serial murderers yes wow crazy creepy very creepy the congress hotel (laughs) in chicago i had no idea that there were so many spirits i knew it was super haunted and i knew about h.h holmes Mm -hmm. but not the rest of them i know and i just imagine all the stories that don't get told like the from the staff and employees like i wonder if they sign a non-disclosure that they can't share some of these things oh maybe i didn't someone think who about works that, there about tell the, us it's a big hotel someone's gotta either work there or know someone that works yeah there. we won't tell anyone we promise all of our chicago listeners next time you're walking past the congress hotel just go in and ask the receptionist if it's yeah. haunted or if they have any experiences but be careful you might get possessed worst nightmare i get what you do i'm so excited because this is not only one of the more notorious murder cases but it's also the most haunted house one of the most haunted houses in the world and this is and i know a lot of our listeners know it the Velisca axe murder house no way corinne what you did not see this is why i thought you knew i thought you like looked and saw what no, I was doing. I was very didn't know what it was. I was so tactical and not looking because I didn't want to know. Oh, it's good. It's it's one of the best. Who gave you permission? Who gave me permission? Jonathan. <laughs> who gave us permission? Yes, Queen. <laughs> I freaking love Queer Eye. It's my favorite show. I just I could watch it all day and just cry all day, and it makes me so happy. <laughs> yes, honey. Getting Curious by Jonathan Van Ness is a great podcast. He's one of the guys in Queer Eye. He does the hair. And like oh, his hair is so luscious. And he has this beautiful mustache right now that I'm oh just loving. Oh, my gosh. Loving. He just gives me confidence just by looking at him and what he posts on Instagram. <laughs> I'm just like, you are making my life. So <laughs> plus, I have a huge crush on Anthony, And I know he's gay. And I can't be me with him. And too. his boyfriend is 
also a Barbie doll, so whatever. It's a good thing Nick doesn't listen to this because, ugh, I love Antony. I was was talking about Antony the other day, and one of my friends was like, Corinne, you always have crushes on gay guys. And I was like, oh, man, I need to work on finding someone who would like me back. Corinne, your your crushes are gay guys or dead ghosts? They're just my favorite. They're the best. So... They're easier to love. I have high standards. (laughs) Okay. Oh, man. Okay. I'm so excited. Tell me everything. In southwest Iowa sat a quiet... I already fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) I used past tense, but it's still there. Okay. In southwest Iowa sits the quiet and tranquil city of Villisca, and the town's name even means pleasant view. Irony. The city now houses about 1,500 residents, and it's a bit of a drive from the neighboring town, so it's a little more secluded. And it seems like the type of place that you'd go and you'd live like this sweet, simple life, a place where I picture neighbors going over for dinner to other neighbors' houses and just all the kids playing on the cold sack and... You know, a trip to the grocery store is more like a social outing. Right. You know everyone. Yes. So while Felisca is now home to a number of successful businesses, restaurants, and shops, its reputation is anything but sleepy and peaceful. Because on June 9th, 1912, a man entered the Moore family home and forever stained the history of Felisca by murdering the entire family. Oh, my God. That night. Sarah Moore, who was the mother, left the Presbyterian Church around 9.30 with her family. She was coordinating the program, the Children's Day program, and that ended around 9.30 p.m. So her and her husband, Josiah, who went by JB, so I'll call him JB, and their four Mm -hmm. children began their journey, journey home. And accompanying them were two children. They were friends of the Moore kids, and they were going over to have a sleepover with the the four children of the of the Moore couple. And so the Moore family got to their home around 9.45, 10 o'clock p.m., because they didn't live very far from the church. And they walked inside, and they settled comfortably into their nightly routine and eventually went to bed. The next morning, the next-door neighbor, Mary Peckham, walked into her backyard to hang some laundry, and she noted that the Moors had not started on their chores yet, which seemed really out of place to Mary because it was they had a lot of young children. They were always out and about. They started their day at like 7 a.m., if not earlier, and there was always a lot of noise and commotion and things being done. This is why nosy neighbors are actually a good thing. Neighbors are super important. And I know in cities, people don't really make friends with their neighbors, but you really should because they're the eyes and ears. So, right. Not only was the Moore family not out about, out and about like they normally were, but their house stood, as Mary described it, like eerily quiet. It was extremely silent. And after some time passed, Mary became concerned enough that she went to check on the family in case Sarah, she was like, maybe Sarah's sick and just needs some help getting everyone up and getting the day going. She was trying to be helpful and also like check to make sure everything was okay. So she knocked on the door twice, but she heard nothing inside. And then she tried the handle, hoping to open the door and just yell like, Sarah, are you there? Whatever. But right. the door was locked. So she wasn't able to get inside the house. Wait, I didn't know the so door was locked. So she ended up going in. Yeah, it was locked from the inside. You couldn't get in, which is another very weird detail of this story. Right. So Mary resorted to going into the backyard of the Moore house. And she just was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll help out by doing one of their daily chores that they usually do very early in the morning, which is let the chickens out. So Mary wow. let out the Moore family chickens to roam around the yard. And then she went home. 
but she sat there for a little time more and she just felt super off about it and it was still completely silent and it was just Ugh. it was just so out of the norm that she just was like this doesn't feel good and i need to do something right so mary bless her heart calls jb's brother ross who promised to come over soon. And so Ross comes over as soon as he can. He meets Mary outside. Mary had already gone back over to the Moore family house and was like looking through windows and knocking on doors again because she was just so frantic. And, you know, she knew something was off. So Ross met Mary outside. They walk around the house. They try all the windows. They try peeking in, but it was too dark. They couldn't really see anything. And no sound came from inside. So they didn't, it didn't seem like anyone was stirring or making any noise. It was just dead silence. So after a lot of banging and shouting, Ross grabbed his spare key set and he let himself in to the Moore home. So Mary stayed downstairs right by the entryway and Ross walked through the home yelling for Sarah and JB, the parents, but nothing. So he made their way, made his way to one of the children's bedrooms and he pushed the door open and he immediately yelped and he ran. He saw two bloodied bodies on the bed. So he just turned, ran downstairs and was yelling at Mary to call the cops immediately. Inside of the Moore home, murdered by having their skulls crushed with an axe, was J.B. Moore, Sarah Moore, their children, Herman, age 11, Catherine, age 10, Boyd, age 7, and Paul, age 5, and the two children who had slept over that night, Lena Stillinger, age 12, and Ina Stillinger, age 8, were found murdered in the same exact way in the downstairs bedroom. It breaks my heart. It Just eight people eight people brutally murdered yeah all at once in one in the, night like in in the idea of like you feel like you're in the safest place you can be in your bed at home and that is just taken away from you and the parents of the stillinger girls too it's like you're letting your two girls go over to a trusted family's home both the parents right. and all four children are going to be home you think it's safe I mean, their doors were locked. They clearly locked their house and there were neighbors around. You don't think anything of it. It's just a normal night. Right. And then your whole life changes. Right. And it. so these murders really caused like mass anger in the town and a lot of fascination too across Villisca and the neighboring areas and just basically any state and town where the news reached. So word traveled really fast that morning And the nearby people actually went to the home to get a look for themselves, which is kind of messed up. But also, at the same time, I know I would do that too. Like you walk over because you're just – something draws you. You're too curious. It's human nature. Yeah. So people went over to the home and they started touching things and like taking items and just Mm. really disrupting the crime scene before the Villisca National Guard could even get to the home and tape it off and ensure that everything was where it was. And mind you, this was 1912. So at the time, crime scene photos were rarely taken. Fingerprinting was super new. So once the crime scene was disrupted, there wasn't really much more that they could do. And thus began one of the most mismanaged mass murder cases in history, resulting in a murder that remains unsolved to this very day. I hate that. It's crazy. And it's also crazy because so obviously when I'm doing the research, I'm I'm reading a lot about the murders and the suspects in the case. And there were 
there were a lot of suspects. And each time you read about the suspect, you're like, oh, that guy definitely did it. And then you read about the next suspect mm-hmm. and you're like, for sure he did it. There's just, I mean, there's one person that I think did it more than the others, but un- there's enough evidence or an- enough like weird circumstance surrounding each suspect that you really, it's it's tough because you're like, well, all, all of them did it. You know, it's just- I know. It's, it's I mean, it's like with any cold case or for example, the Golden State Killer case before he was caught- there were just so many theories and every single read one you read, you were like, oh, this has to be him. And then you would read another it, one. You're like, yeah, but now I don't know. Him. It's yeah. And and you know what? That's why it's so tough. Cops jobs are so tough because so tough. they have to they want to catch the person. And like we as an audience who doesn't really even know most of the details thinks accuses the same people. So it's like, right. There's also so much pressure on the police or law enforcement yeah. to find a killer in order for to get justice for the victims. And which so is they too good want and to it's believe. Bad. Yeah. It's good and it's bad because we want we want victims, families or victims who have lived through whatever happened to them to get justice, but we also don't want so much pressure to be put on police where they feel like they need to just find someone and the closest person that matches enough criteria is the person because as we know now from all of the innocence project and and all the info coming out so many people are incarcerated who were actually innocent right i mean that's that like the confession tapes on netflix if you just watch those you just see how some people are wrongly accused and and forced to believe that they did it even though they didn't you're watching Orange is the New Black right now, right? Heck yeah, I am. Yeah, the new season is kind of a lot about this and like, like very who, much how you need someone to point the finger at. And so sometimes innocent people are blamed. Tasty gives a whole speech when she's being interviewed in like episode six or something like that of the yeah. most recent season. And I was like snapping my fingers. I was like, yes, Tasty. <laughs> but it's so tough because you can't be on either side. You have to be on both because it's yeah. some victims are innocent and some people who are guilty are treated poorly and that's not correct. And right. and you also have to support the people whose jobs are extremely tough and they have to make these calls and sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. But yeah, you, you can't choose a side. You got to just take each case for what it is and look at it from both angles yeah like see it from i mean that's what i think we love to do is look at it from each person's perspective i'm very much a point counterpoint type of person Me too i love yeah i like to argue both sides and so do you which is good because right. well it keeps us from really ever forming a true opinion because like, i know i was just gonna also. say i have no opinion on anything ever but i have a Constantly really good changing. outlook on life <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay Well, back to more awful seriousness. Okay. The police were able to determine that the murders took place between midnight and 5 a.m., which is kind of a big chunk of time, five hours. Wow, yeah. I mean, it's 1912. That's a long time ago. There wasn't as much in forensic science. True. There really wasn't. Uh, And they also determined that the killer most likely waited in the attic for the family to go to sleep. So the killer was already inside of the home when they got home. Nope. That's horrifying. Super creepy, but it's like, hi, Golden State Killer. That's exactly what he did. The Moore parents' bedroom was the very first room to be visited by the killer, and Sarah and JB were both killed there, and JB received more blows from the axe than any other victim in the home. Probably because he was the patriarch and or he was he was the person that they were after and then the rest were kind of just right. So if you look at the suspect list, there are some some suspects that would want to go after JB. But then there's also some suspects that are just not mentally there. And we just, you know, I don't know. Right. Uh You got to read it for yourself. Uh, But the sharp part of the blade 
the sharp part of the axe was used on JB, but the blunt side was used for the remaining seven victims, which were all, they were children or or Sarah, the, the mother. And trigger warning, trigger warning. JB's face was smashed so badly that his eyes were missing. Oh my God. Wait, so I know. Yeah. The very first face transplant happened yesterday. <gasps> or maybe it wasn't yesterday. It was recently. It just happened. Wow. Oh my gosh. I really hope it went well. Yeah. It's crazy. It took like 18 hours or something absurd. Oh, yikes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, sadly for JB, he didn't get that opportunity because he was murdered alongside of his family. So sad. And after JB and Sarah were murdered, the killer then went to the children's bedrooms, killing the more kids who were upstairs and then he went back to the parents to hit them more so oh my god overkill seriously and then he went downstairs to murder the stillinger kids and lena stillinger is believed to be the only victim who was awake during the murders oh my god as she had defensive wounds she was laying sideways on the bed and her underwear had been removed and her dress had been pulled up no so yeah they think that she actually may have been hiding in the closet from the attacker but was found and then killed on the bed like the other oh children gosh, and the more parents. imagine like i'd almost rather i mean the whole situation is horrible but like i'd almost rather be asleep for it whereas your last moment being so terrified and her sister was in the room with her and we can only presume that her sister was already killed so yeah. she Ugh. knew that there was no escaping i hate it so and she, much. i think she was she was 12 like what are you gonna do oh so gosh. there were many suspects and at least four of them were named in the newspaper and taken very seriously but none in the end were convicted whoever it was they didn't want to see themselves and actually covered up all of the mirrors in the homes that's really weird whoa uh, and if you that, like makes me think of paranormal stuff yeah or someone just going like m- mental illness or hearing right. or seeing there's so many different reasons that someone could do that so crazy it's like those killers who kill and then they don't want to see like my favorite murder just did their most recent episode i believe karen covered or maybe it was georgia i don't remember one of them covered um a killer who didn't want to see the crime scene photos of the crime he committed and it's like you did it but it could be somewhat of the same thing Whoa. it's like you you do it because you have this urge and you have to do it, but you don't want to see yourself or accept what you're doing. So <sighs> that happened. And if you want to know more about the murders, because this is basically where I'm going to stop talking about what actually happened and not give right. you any more info <laughs> on the on the suspects. If you want to know more about the murders and the suspects, uh, Stuff You Should Know podcast has an episode on it. So does Stuff You Missed in History class. And I believe Unsolved Murders uh, has a two or three part episode as well. So check out those podcasts. I think also Lore has an episode on it. I'm sure most of the murder or paranormal podcasts do. So may as well binge all of them. Yeah, you can do a quick search in your podcast app and I'm sure you'll find Good yes. So the horror of the Velisca axe murders live on today in the home where the Moore family lived because over the years, the house has been, well, new people moved in. It had many residents over the years, but then it was uh, renovated in 1994 and the renovations were meant to restore the house to its original condition. So pretty much the condition it was in 1912, which includes no indoor plumbing or electricity. Wait, really? Yeah. It's so weird when such horrible things like this happen, like 
do you destroy the place or do you keep it? Like it's such a hard decision. Because it's is the energy attached to the house or the site? Because you could tear it down or you could make renovations or do whatever, but that land might still be just as haunted and whatever you build might trigger even more activity. It's It's a tough call. But beyond that, I feel like it's just a symbol of what happened. Whereas if you built like a completely different looking building, would you feel less? Yeah, it's just like a weird, it's like a hard decision to make, you know? Yeah. There's such a trauma that has happened there. Right. So you can go there. You can do a lamplight tour, which runs from April through November. Or you can also choose to do an overnight tour if simply being in the house where eight people were brutally slaughtered isn't enough for you. And that costs about $420 a night. And remember, no plumbing or electricity. There's no amount of money I could I would pay to stay there. Or there's no amount of money you would you could pay me to stay there. Well, I'm not paying for either of us because I don't want either <laughs> of us to go. <laughs> no one's we also going. don't have the money for that. We are. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah. And the rooms are still like they're dressed up like they were like it was the whole thing was pretty much restored. So there's like these small twin beds with these quilts over them and just like old wow. rocking chairs that very much looks like it it should have in 1912 which is even creepier and you're just laying on those little beds that's so sad that's like ugh, that's so eerie i don't know if, i don't like that it, it is and it's i think they did it because part of it is it's the history of the house and the history of the time and learning about the town and architecture and whatever what have you but it's right. also the site of a horrible tragedy so it's kind of like it's both amazing and it's also messed up so right as are most things yeah the Velisca axe murder house being one of the most haunted spots in the world is frequented by ghost hunters and is actually one of the most regularly visited sites for ghost hunters so of course our guy zach baggins and his crew on ghost adventures went and they spent the night oh of course and they they may have solved the cold case what yeah, there were multiple spirits in the home and they used a spirit box and they asked to make contact with the spirits in the home using the spirit box. And they actually made contact with Lena, who was the 12-year-old Stillinger girl, and Paul, who was the five-year-old Moore boy. Wow. And you can, if you watch that episode, they play the EVPs and it's crazy because it's <sighs> it's so the voices of like like a little girl and like a really young boy. And oh, they're man. Speaking is, this what clearly. You, is this what you watched last night? Yes. I. They say like, who are you? And she says, Lena. Oh and my then gosh. there's an, another voice and it's the little boy, Paul, saying, do you want to play with us? Wow. <gasps> oh, I just got chills again. And then like another EVP was caught. It was like noises of um, toys rolling on the floor. Oh, that full body chills. Oh my gosh. But upstairs... Ghost Adventures asked, I believe it was Nick and Zach were upstairs. Aaron was, of course, locked alone in the <laughs> cellar. Um, but Nick and Zach were upstairs and they asked who the murderer was. And a male spirit responded, Andy. And that name was the name of one of the prime suspects, one of the four sp- suspects in the case. And this suspect was obsessed with the case Andy acted super bizarrely. He mentioned the murders to his boss. He was seen uh, talking about chopping heads off and doing a swinging what? motion. He would also sleep with his clothes on and his axe next to him. And he even went as far as to point out to his coworkers the exact route that the murderer must have taken 
that night and where he went okay. and like the like oh and then he ran over to that tree and then he ran through that stream and what just that he is knew so too many, yeah i mean he just knew too many details before they yeah. were public and pretty much everything points to andy and now the spirits in the house have accused him as well a hundred years after the fact so i think Ugh. ghost adventures might have solved it and they also caught footsteps and a door slamming on camera so watch that episode it's a good one it's so crazy yeah. because when you hear of young children's spirits my first instinct is to be sad because one they died so horribly that i wish that they would be able to move on but it sounds like the little girl and the little boy have each other right and there was also a really weird evp evp caught where oh my gosh what is the boy's name it was the other more son herman Herman, he was the oldest more child. Mm-hmm. He was 11. So he was one year younger than Lena. And there was one EVP where someone, another kid kind of like growl whispered saying like, Herman's gonna get you or something. What? Which is weird. And it's like, is her, but also I'm thinking Herman is the oldest of the children. He's probably trying to protect his siblings. So he's acting as the scary protector for all the people that come in and intrude in their oh. home and try to make contact and provoke them. And so Herman's probably being like, don't worry, like I got it. And so all the kids are like, Herman will get you. Well, yeah, because he, he was what, 11? So it makes sense that he yeah. he's a child. So it makes he's sense that you... When you're as a child in your brain, when you think of being protective, you think of like making a deep voice and like, you know, mimicking what your dad sounded like. Right. Exactly. So there were a lot of EVPs caught and a lot of people have caught EVPs there. And the very first paranormal investigative group to visit did so in 1999. So it was definitely more recent. Wow. And they were the ones that declared the house to be haunted. And they even said that they would be able to identify the murderer. And I wonder... I didn't find information on it, but I wonder if they also got Andy as a as a name. And many more groups have spent the night and they all have all had similar experiences. And many report that the air feels heavy by the main stairwell moving up to the upstairs bedrooms. Oh, so a wow. little more on the hauntings now. Not only do people claim to hear voices, but they also claim to play with the children in the home. And some wow. claim to hear the cries of children in the bedroom and sometimes the cries coming from the closet where Lena Stillinger was thought to have hid from oh the murderer. Uh, many EVPs have been captured, like I said, and orbs have been caught moving around the room in both photographs and video. And one group even caught an EVP, which included the name of another suspect in the case, Reverend Kelly. So hmm. using a spirit box, the men made contact with a male spirit and asked who else was with that spirit. And on the EVP, on the tape, the spirit responded, Reverend Kelly, which is confusing because that's another suspect named. Was he, so they had left church that night, right? Yeah, at 930, they left the after school program at the church was the reverend the reverend of the church i'm not sure if it was that church but reverend kelly was kind of like this weird odd reverend he moved there with his wife more recently and he was just Hmm. i mean reverend kelly kind of had the finger pointed at him because he was just such a weirdo look up all the suspects because they're all so interesting and right well i mean i have two i wonder if when reverend kelly died he felt drawn to that home and just like as a man of religion he wanted to be with these spirits or he felt guilty because he was accused of the murder i don't know the other thing is that so many people have gone there whether they're actual paranormal investigators or just groups of people friends who want to go for spooks and spend the night and see if anything happens and i wonder since now 100 
years later, we know the suspect's name. We know about the case. People who spend the night there know everything about it. Right. And I wonder if the ghosts are just from all the contact and everything that they've observed from people coming in. I wonder if they're just echoing the names of what other people have asked and said. Yeah. I mean, that's very possible. So the spirit said Reverend Kelly was with him. So then the men asked the male spirit who he was, and he said Legion, L-E-G-I-O-N, which means many. So it's not necessarily the spirit of J.B. Moore who's talking when you hear male spirit. It might be something much darker. And in the downstairs cellar, people have encountered numerous shadow people who will growl at them and stare at them. Oh, I hate that. I mean, we talk about this all the time when like dark like when horrible things like this happen with such trauma it creates such a dark energy that yeah draws these spirits in people are super attracted to it well i'll get there because people have done other things to draw in evil. oh no so martha lynn is the woman who restored the home to its original condition and she actually keeps notebooks i think she, at least the article i read she had notebooks over the past two years filled with descriptions of the overnight experiences that people have And the home is so active that people rarely leave without experiencing something paranormal or something significant. And it could be that the spirits are attached to the house, or maybe it's something more evil. It could be a mismatch of the more family and still injured children with these evil spirits. Because apparently people bring Ouija boards to the overnight events and attempts to contact the dead. On And while we can only assume that they're trying to contact the Moore family, as we know, and as many of our witches have told us in our group and in the TGOG coven, you can use a Ouija board and you there's correct ways to use it. And then there's about a million wrong ways to use it. And so most likely these people are yeah. not doing it the right way to ensure that it's safe and that whatever comes out of the board is not going to stay out of the board. Right. And that they're protecting themselves right. as well. So they're contacting something. They're bringing something else in. And what's worse is that some people have even tried bringing an axe in to provoke the spirits. Are you kidding? A.K.A. Zach Baggins. Zach Baggins did that. He took the axe from the local museum, which is believed to be the real murder weapon, and he brought it into the house overnight and he tried to get the ghost to impale him with it. He kept saying, you want to kill another? You want to hurt someone? Hit me with that axe. And he just stood there and laid there in the darkness with the axe above him. I'm like, oh my God, you stupid. I just, I have no words. He, Yep. Just, you don't need the axe, Zach. Plenty of other things happen. Don't try to kill yourself. And imagine like those poor children already have gone through so much and it sounds like there's residual hauntings. So whether it's their energy or if they're still experiencing some of that horror, like they're screaming in the closet, they're crying in their bedrooms, like they don't need someone coming in and like taunting them with the very object that murdered them. Right. Yeah. It seems like the kids stick together and it doesn't – like, at least from watching Ghost Adventures, um, in that episode, it, it seems like when the kids come through on the EVPs, it's never in the presence of whatever is dark. It's If, if they're oh, on the first good. floor, if the kids are on the first floor, the evil entities are coming through either in the basement or upstairs through the EVPs and vice versa. It's, I feel Ugh. like the kids just kind of like run wherever the other thing isn't. Well, that's good. I I hope they stay away from whatever this dark entity was or is. Yes. And you as a person might want to stay away too. Because if you're still thinking that this place sounds like a thrilling stop on your paranormal tour, I'm not, you better think once I'm more not, about... I'm definitely not <laughs> thinking that. 
It's one thing to go in during the day or do a lamplight tour in a group, but the overnight stays, I'm not so sure. And I don't want to discourage people because I know that that's someone's business and they're making money off of it and blah, blah, blah. But you really got to just know that things do happen. So I'm going to tell you about the things before you choose to go. As we know, evil spirits love to prey on helpless souls and enjoy posting up shop in the sites of tragedy, which we think is happening here. And some proof that that might might be happening is what happened to Robert Stephen Lorson Jr. The 37-year-old Wisconsin man was visiting the house with his friends. They were doing the overnight stay. And around 12.45 a.m., he went into one of the bedrooms alone. And Lorson soon called for help on his walkie-talkie. And his friends found him stabbed in the chest. <gasps> and they called 911. The what? police believe it was a self-inflicted wound. And Lorson survived after being... He was brought to a local hospital and then he was helicoptered to one of the more major hospitals in the area. But he has made no public comments about the incident since. And what? That is so crazy. It is. So it's kind of like, did Lorson stab himself in an attempt to stage a paranormal attack? Could he perhaps have been persuaded to stab himself? Or maybe some invisible force took his hand or his hands and guided them to his chest. Or just put the thought in his mind. Like we've read so many stories where spirits tell kids or other people to like kill their mom. Right. He could have totally been persuaded that just a moment, a lapse in judgment and he just, something happened and he wasn't protected enough. And he was like, okay, yes. Very Okay, no. Yeah. I mean, think about all those scary movies where Amityville Horror, Babadook, just all of them. They're all. Hereditary. Have you seen that yet? still need to see it yeah you do okay so the owner of this house hoped that this incident would not scare off visitors as she says that it's the only harmful experience to have occurred in this home and i don't think it's really slowed down the influx of visitors i think there's plenty of people who are attracted to the overnight stays and want to test their luck there and see what they can they can capture However, the same men who used the spirit box to collect those EVPs that said Legion and named the reverend or whoever it was, yeah, they experienced some physical harm as well when they were there. So all of the men were scratched and one of the men had the wind knocked out of him like he was punched in the stomach. Oh. And when they looked at the scratches... The scratches were on the back and they were, so the scratches were, it was three lines, three scratches, otherwise known as the devil's claw mark. Actually, I'm not sure if it's called that, but that's what I call it that. That's what I call it too. The devil's claw mark. I mean, because people are like, it's a claw mark, which is a sign of the devil. So devil claw devil claw yeah. mark. Yeah, it makes sense. And it was also in the shape of the letter L, which could be for legion, the name of the spirit that they contacted. Also, two women who grew up in the Villisca Axe murder house were actually featured on Ghost Adventures. It was really hard to watch. Even my mom was like grabbing her chest and being like, I feel so bad because both of the women were scared, but one of the women could hardly handle being back in that house again. And she was so visibly shaking. Her hands were shaking. She was like literally having a panic attack. She was having a really hard time speaking and like staying focused. She was just terrified. And eventually Zach was like, oh my gosh, I don't want you to have to experience this. Like you don't, you don't have to be here. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I don't want to screw up your interview. And he was like, yeah. So she basically forced herself to go in because she thought that she like had to it was really hard to watch she was having a really hard time 
That's so sad. Yeah. So they, those two women reported a lot of paranormal activity happening in the house. They grew up there. So their parents owned the home and they as children lived there. And not only did they hear little girls crying, but they also watched as their father was sharpening a knife, just a normal chore, just doing his sharpening, like, you know, sharpen away from you. Right. And some force quickly turned the blade and stabbed (gasps) their father in the hand. What? Yes. Oh, another neighbor who also goes over and does some paranormal investigation at the house has now tried to sort of avoid going near the home too frequently or doing too much in the home because he reported that whatever is inside the home, whatever dark energies in there actually followed him home and he began to feel bitter, heavy. He had like increasing hostility towards his own family. But luckily, he recognized these signs and did what he needed to do. Because otherwise, his mind may have been taken over and possibly his family not have lasted. Well, that's, I mean, that sounds like the beginning of a possession case. Right. And there are a lot of books and documentaries on the Moore house hauntings and the axe murders, too. So I'm sure in those books, there's a lot more stories of like other people experiencing this same thing. And and just like the darkness that follows people that go in there. Yeah how haunting it is and what's interesting is that a lot of people who have either investigated or even the the sisters who went they said they're terrified of the home but something keeps feeling like they keep getting feelings like that they're being drawn back to the home so it's creepy it's like the entity wants to kill them it wants to draw them in and drain them and it's like come back to me and like they're terrified of the place but there's this weird beckoning yeah Ooh, I hate and that. the very last thing that I will say about the Velisca Axe Murder House is that you do not have to go inside the home to experience paranormal activity because oh, at 2 a.m. a train passes through the, tra- the town and it honks its horn, which is normal. That's not odd. That's definitely not paranormal. <laughs> Trains do that as they honk and cross over train crossing areas in public places. Um, Doing train things. Train, You know, train things. Just train things. Just being a train. but this train passing through and honking its horn is thought to prompt the paranormal activity within the Velisca axe murder house because numerous witnesses have reported that after the horn blows and the train passes a light fog will fill up the bedroom and move from one room to another nope and once it's reached every room it starts to dissipate and if you're close enough to the house you can hear a dripping sound nope not unlike the sound of dripping blood what and that is the Velisca axe murder house that is great job Corinne. thank you thank you it was one of the my largest research projects the amount of notes right. i had Ooh, there's just yeah there's uh, there's so much information on it and then oh gosh and this is one of those places where i mean because there are plenty of haunted places where a few people have seen something and then the same story gets retold and it's like ooh, it's haunted but this is one of the places that consistently performs for people performs in terms of paranormal activity it's like constant it's frequent it's right. it's just so scary because without a doubt you experience something and the amount of evps and how clear some of the evps are it's crazy like at one point when i was listening to one of the evps i thought it was the one of the men in the room talking one of the investigators talking but it was actually captured on the evp and i was like whoa because they replayed it back and i was like wait i thought that was that was someone and then wow uh, it's places like that that i'm so curious what happens when no one's in there like i just like i wish there were cameras set up in the house 
paranormal activity style where no one is in the home and you see what happens when there are no people around. Very terrifying to think about that because, well, it makes it makes me wonder, like, do people's presence, does it rile up the spirits? Do they feel provoked? Do they speak more, take the opportunity or feed off the energy? Or is it even crazier when people when they're alone leave yeah i wonder i guess we don't know unless unless recorders are just set up to run 24 7 all right i'm gonna send them a message okay so i decided to do a ouija board story from a listener because it's our one-year episode and i love hate ouija board stories i hate them too but I love them. They're the best, but they're also the most frustrating because you're like, this Why wouldn't you have this? happened if you just didn't use it. <laughs> if you just stayed at home that weekend. <laughs> if you Don't just didn't have friends. <laughs> if you live your life alone, boardless. <laughs> okay. So this is actually called My Mama's Ouija Board Murder Story from Santiago. Hey, ladies and kitty cat. Wait, Corinne, will you not follow along with this one? Okay. I never do. You follow along when I read, but I never follow. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. Hey, ladies and kitty cat. I've been listening to your podcast for about two weeks now, and I just can't get enough of it. The combination of creepy stories and inappropriate humor was something I didn't realize I was missing from my life. So thank you. This is my mom's story, which she didn't share with me until I was 21 because she was afraid that something would happen to me just by listening to the story. Anywho, my mom was the youngest of six children and lived in a small three-bedroom house close to the U.S.-Mexico border. My oldest uncle was the second youngest child, but was definitely the boss of the house. According to mom and aunts, he was mean, dangerous, and bullied everyone else without remorse. We will call him Tony. Tony would constantly physically abuse my mom and her sisters and just had an evil way about him. Everybody would avoid him because you'd just become his next target by looking at him in the eyes. When he became a teenager, he would be home less and less, staying out with friends and up to all kinds of debauchery. Since my grandparents never really did anything about it, my aunts turned to using a Ouija board as a form of rebelling. It was right in the middle of the satanic panic and even speaking about the devil would warrant a slap from my grandma's very Catholic right hand. So one night after a particularly brutal beating from Tony, my mom and her sister started a session with the board. My mom said they used to speak to Jesse often. Jesse was a childhood friend of my aunt who had been killed in Mexico in a car accident. Oh my gosh. So many sad, tragic things happening in this episode. Or in this email. Yes. Jesse would bring up memories that only my aunt would remember, so they thought they were really speaking to Jesse. After a while, my aunt asked Jesse... Will Tony ever leave us alone? Y-E-S. Yes. When? T-O-N-I-G-H-T. Tonight. How? Jesse spelled out M-U-R-D-E-R. Murder. Oh my gosh. Was the board trying to get them to murder him? Everyone in the room gasped. My aunt gathered the courage to ask, Someone is going to kill Tony? N-O. No. At that moment, all of the lights went out and the planchette went crazy without anybody touching it. The room was filled with red and blue lights and the house was filled with the sound of my grandma screaming at the top of her lungs. The house had been surrounded by police and my grandma was yelling at the cops not to take Tony. 
My mom went outside to the front yard after the police had directed everyone to do so. They stormed the house and brought out Tony in handcuffs. Tony had killed a relative, my grandpa's <gasps> godson. I thought I thought the board was telling them that Tony would leave them alone because Tony was going to murder them and then they I know. wouldn't be with Tony anymore. Twist. Thank God it wasn't that. I know. Although someone's still dead. So horrible. And, and Tony was still horrible to all of them. So they still have yeah. this pain. So Tony had killed the grandpa's godson just a few hours ago over a drug deal that had gone wrong. And so he was hiding at the house. My mom still remembers the look on Tony's face and described it as demonic. He had an evil Ooh. smile with blood pouring from his nose. Oh, 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 wow. That's a visual. His last words to everyone was, don't worry, I'll be back. Uncle Tony <laughs> was charged with first degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison and will definitely not be back. Thank the Lord. Thank the police and the justice system for that one. Justice is served. After the incident with Tony, my mom and her siblings never used the Ouija board again, but it was too late. My aunt was plagued by voices that claimed to be Jessie, telling her to kill herself and kill her siblings. Jeez, um. My aunt would see Jessie, but it wasn't Jessie. She described him as, as if Jessie had an evil twin. Doppelganger. This perversion of Jessie would torment my aunt and send her into a deep depression that lasted years. Today, my aunt is well, and she said she got rid of Jessie by apologizing to him and praying to St. Michael, and just like that, he was gone. My mom refuses to even watch anything that contains the Ouija board, and my aunt and uncle refuse to speak about it. Well, that's it. I've been trying to retell this story, but have never found the right place or place or time, so I'll be sending in more stories soon. Love y'all, and see you on the other side. Santi. P.S. Wow. P.S. I will never use a Ouija board unless it's to speak to Corinne. Awkward wink. <laughs> Please leave the cheesy pickup line out if you ever decide to read this on the podcast. LOL. Sabrina. And I asked his I asked his permission. He said, that's fine. You can read it. Oh, oh my gosh. Because I was like, this is too funny. I have to share it with Corinne. <laughs> so is he saying he wants me to die? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. He just wants to talk to you. I'll ensure that no bad ghosts come in. I'll give them all elbows and make my way to the front of the board i believe you would isn't that such a wild story it's like that's really scary and it's just another one of those stories that shows and unfortunately i feel like a lot of the ouija board stories where they where people are given information it's given to them by something evil coming through the board right but still they were given the information before they knew it like before anyone else right knew it. it makes you question how much the paranormal world spiritual world knows and what they have access to and what they're allowed to yeah. share and it kind of made me wonder if this spirit jesse because clearly it wasn't the real jesse right i wonder the way the aunt was affected by jesse after that night of being told to kill her siblings and like kill herself makes me wonder if tony was affected by some spirit or a similar spirit Right, or the same one. And it's once Tony was sent off to prison and couldn't do anything else. Right. The spirit was like, whoop, did my job. Got to move on and attach to the next person. Right. Or if Tony's evilness kind of drew this spirit in. Who knows? True. It can go both ways. Yeah. Jeez. Um, oh, my gosh. That's so terrifying. Can you imagine the horror of hearing that? And and also just it, it makes me so sad to think that Tony was so horrible and abusive yeah to that family and just to a point where they're asking a board they're asking spirits just they're asking the world if this will yeah. ever end yeah oh it's so heartbreaking it really is and they're young kids well i have a story from a young kid you do 
Yes, this is from Charlotte. She's 11. Oh, hi, Charlotte. She says, hello, ladies. I'm Charlotte. I'm 11 years old, and my mom recently introduced me to your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I love parents playing it and getting their kids hooked. It happens frequently. So many parents are like, I forgot it was on, and now my kids won't stop And now they want it all the time. Anyway, on to the story. This was back when I was eight or nine, and my mom and my cousin, Corinne, her cousin's name is Corinne. Obviously, I picked it because I'm vain. (laughs) (laughs) This is about us, after all. It's Yeah, this is our episode. (laughs) I'll just change the other names to Sabrina, so it can be both of us. Perfect. Great. (laughs) Uh, When I was eight or nine, me and my mom and my cousin Corinne went to visit my other cousin, Maddie, who was in Belmont University one of the most haunted places in Tennessee. Maddie was showing us around campus, and finally we were driving to the hotel when something catches my eye, and I turn to see a fabric mannequin wearing one of those old, tiny, ruffled dresses and one of those Kentucky Derby hats staring down at me as we drive by. And in my stupid eight-year-old mind, I think and say, oh, that's a pretty mannequin. (laughs) And Maddie and Corinne immediately say, there are no mannequins in the music school. My cousins are big believers in the ghost world. Later, I realized that the mannequin was actually a ghost. And to add on to the story, Corinne said that she has always had a connection to the Belmont Mansion, a very haunted place. And we later found out that Corinne was one of the many children of the woman who used to own the mansion. She must have done like a past life reading or something. Whoa. Or maybe been flooded with some memories and realized that she was there. Uh, Many of her children died very young. I know it's not the scariest story, but it's the only one I have. Bye, girls. Stay spooky. Charlotte. That's, whoa. That's a pretty good story to have. It's such a good story. (laughs) The fact that the spirit was so clear to her that she thought it was a mannequin, I just like I like the stories when people see something and then don't realize till after the fact that they were seeing something paranormal. But it's funny because it clearly wasn't like there's like a distinction between human and ghost that there was something off about it that made her think it wasn't alive. So she jumped her mind rationally, (gasps) jumped to a mannequin. Oh, that's scary. She still recognized it was not Not of the living. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And I'm so curious about her cousin's realization that she and just the connection that she has, the draw that she has to that mansion and feeling like, I don't know what it is, but I'm just I know that I'm supposed to be here or like I I associate myself with this place and then somehow coming to the realization that she once lived there. So curious. A past life coming through. Wow. And now we got to look up Belmont University because it's one of the most haunted places in Tennessee. Well, it's a good thing that we have many, many, many episodes ahead of us because this is just the beginning. If you guys have ghost stories, please email us at twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. We will read it. We will respond to it. And hopefully we will read it on the podcast. Yes. Just give us some time. Be patient with us. We are only two people and you are like way more than us. And so we get way a lot more of than We can't do math. We just know it's more than two. <laughs> It's definitely more than two. <laughs> and so it just takes us a little bit of time, but we do respond. So just yes. give us give us our space, please. Send um, us. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry, but what else? Oh, we have iTunes. Please rate and review us. I know you think, oh, I'll get to it. Let's all make an effort to 
go rate and review all of our favorite podcasts. It does help us. And it helps us by keeping us on the top 200 on the comedy podcast list. And if we're on the top 200, not only do other people get to find us and listen to us, but we, by getting more listeners, get more ghost stories and get to keep our episodes spooky and have fresh ideas and everything like that. And hopefully get to the point where we get to do maybe live shows or meetups Eek. or something where we can actually meet everyone because that would be awesome because we already feel that like we know so everyone. Cool. But right now we're internet friends. Yes. you, Corinne and I are also internet friends because we never see each other. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we're um, becoming internet friends. If you want to support us in other ways, we have merchandise out mugs, shirts, etc. You can find the merch either by going to our website, twogirlsonegoespodcast.com, or the link is included in our Instagram bio. Uh, it's through Big Cartel, so you can just order merch through there. Or you can yep. become a Patreon donor where you get to just choose the amount that you donate. You can choose if you want to donate one month and then not ever again or what have you. And there are different tiers with different perks. So those are two additional ways to support our podcast as we are an independent podcast. We're just two girls, one ghost trying to make it two girls in this ghost. world of And unfortunately, our ghost creatures. usually works against us. So it's like two girls battling one ghost. <laughs> but we love our ghost, to be clear. We do not mean it any we harm. We no. appreciate it. Honestly, we wouldn't be a podcast without our ghosts because we would just be two girls. It would just be two girls saying ghost stories. It would not be two girls with one ghost deleting episodes, <laughs> interfering with listeners' technology. Adding their input. Little EVPs caught here and there that we don't catch until someone else points them out. Yep. Two girls, one ghost, man. And we want to also thank our Fruit Fly and Leia and just, yes, you know, our team all mascots. of you guys for helping us get where we are. I can't believe it's funny here. It doesn't feel real. This year has it just really been doesn't. so busy that it's gone by so fast that I don't I don't think I've had time to process. But we couldn't do it without you guys. Like, yeah, that sounds so like, oh, we couldn't do it without you. But like, literally, we couldn't do it without you because no we one could not be listening, be where we are and have the stories sent to us that we do. Yeah, if exactly. no one was listening, half the things we cover are suggested Yours. by you. Half yeah. the stories that are said are emailed by you. Like this yeah. is your podcast done by us. Just we are the vessels <laughs> to share the ghost stories. Speak. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we also have social media. We have Twitter. We have Instagram and we have Facebook. And like I said in the beginning, we have different subgroups on Facebook, spinoff groups moderated by some of our listeners. So join, join our coven. <laughs> coven. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> so exciting. Okay. And we will. We will. See you, see you on the other on side. The other.